For those of us who are remaining seated, if you want to turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 4, just as we center our, our thoughts on serving one another, you'll find this reading on page 1220. At 1 Peter chapter 4, and I'm going to begin to read at verse 7. And let's hear God's word. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and sober mind, so that you may, be, you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. As faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do it with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. At, at the outset of what I'm going to be saying today, and I'm not exclusively looking at this passage, I'm going to be looking at lots of other uh, Bible references just now and thinking what it means at that we might actually serve one another. But I'm going to let you have maybe as a pleasant thought at the outset, I want you to imagine that from today, a generous benefactor has promised that you will receive £864 put into your bank account each and every day for the rest of your life. So that's right, 86,400 bright shining pennies will be in your bank account every day and you can do what you like with that. The only catch, potentially, is that what you don't use on any specific day, you won't be able to keep, so it will disappear. You will start with a clean slate each and every day, but you will know, you can be certain, that the very next day, you will get another 86,400 pence. And you can, of course, decide to do what you like with that. You can spend it on yourself, or you can decide to bless others, you can gift it to others, you can do whatever you like with it. And if you are in any way slightly mathematical, perhaps Cameron is immediately going to where I am in my mind with this now, is that it's exactly the same with God and what God has given to you in terms of time each day because you have got 86,400 seconds to spend as you wish each and every day. You can spend that on yourself, or you can invest it in that sense, looking to others. You can give that to others. You can bless others in that sense, but it's up to you what you do with it. And one of the ways that they, the Bible talks about blessing others is to use the terminology of serving 
others, so that you, you give something into somebody's life. And at the very outset, I'm going to suggest a couple of reasons why indeed we should serve one another. And maybe that the, the first reason is that actually at serving one another makes us more like Jesus because Jesus is the one who serves people. Remember in Mark chapter 10 and verse 45, uh, it says that the Son of Man did not come to serve, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The end of Jesus' life is the story we were reminding the kids of earlier. At the very last time that Jesus was with his disciples, Jesus reminded his disciples on that occasion that I am among you as one who serves. So service and serving one another for Jesus was not a novelty. It was something that characterized his life. He, he was the most humble, the most servant-hearted man who ever lived. And Jesus didn't only come into this world to forgive sin, but Jesus came into this world so that you might be changed, that you might be made holy, that you might be made perfect uh, for heaven. So he didn't come to leave you unchanged. In fact, in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 8, you see an insight into the very plan of God. And the plan of God in Romans chapter 8 and verse 29 is that you might be conformed to the image of Jesus. In other words, that you might be like Jesus. And Jesus characterized himself as one who serves. So therefore, to be like Jesus is to serve. And that's why then we should want to serve because that's what it means to be like Jesus. And another reason why we would serve is that it actually brings glory to God. And if you're a Christian today, you've given your life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit fills you. One of the follow-ons from that that we know from reading the Bible is that the Holy Spirit gives to each and every Christian a spiritual gift, a spiritual gift that is to be used, not simply for yourself, to be used for the benefit of the church. In the passage that I read from earlier in 1 Peter chapter 4, it sort of broadly distinguishes spiritual gifts between those that are more uh, speaking and those that are more practical. There's things that, that we can actually do, not that there's necessarily a very strong line between them and what you can do. But if you have been following Peter's thought in that passage, and if you go down to maybe towards the end of verse 11, you see the purpose for which gifts have been given to you. So if I pick up maybe halfway through verse 11, it says, if anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides. And here's the reason. So that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. In other words, what you actually do, the service acts that you perform actually brings glory to God as these things are, are done. And you can serve God in any number of ways. There's lots of things that's given a practical expression in the Bible. In Luke chapter 2, we're introduced at that point to an older woman called Anna. And she is described in Luke chapter 2 as serving God through fastings and prayers. In other words, by going through the, the ritual for her of her religious observance, she was actually serving God. In Colossians chapter three, it talks about your 
ordinary working life. It talks about how you do your work. And it says that by doing your work well, you bring glory to God. So you actually serve God by doing your job well. It also, in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 25, talks about even giving a cold cup of water to someone in Jesus' name, and that that is something that serves God, because Jesus talks about how we minister to others in that passage. I'm going to remind you of Matthew 25, verse 40. It says, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And the focus of our passage or our thinking today and what another verse comes from Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, which is simply to serve one another. I've already been hinting that there's any number of ways that we can serve others in here, outside, wherever you see a need, anything that you can do, by doing that, you are serving God. But if I go back to that Galatians book, the letter of Galatians, we've already read, I've read to you Galatians 5.13 about the encouragement to serve one another. But if you were to flick the page to Galatians chapter 6, it's focused a little bit more. And that encouragement is more narrowed because again, it talks about service. I'm going to read Galatians 6 verses 9 and 10 where the encouragement is, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people so wherever you see the need, whatever it is, whoever it is, you can do something. But then it goes on. But especially to those who belong to the family of believers. In other words, when it comes to serving one another, it says especially to the church, within the church. So there is a narrowing of that a focusing of that so as to think that when it comes to serving one another, that this pastoral dimension should be evident amongst us. And of course, that could be expressed towards an individual here. God lays one person on your heart. You become aware of a need that is in that person's life, that person's situation, and you pray for them but you know that more than even praying for them, there may be something that you can practically do for something. So there, there could well be this term in terms of service, doing something towards an individual. But as we were thinking about last week out in the welcome area where we had our serve event, there's lots of things that you can be involved in in this congregation, which enable you to serve in and through this congregation in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, that may well again be expressed towards one individual. So that, as we were commenting a couple of weeks ago, it may be that someone has a very specific need. It could be in their garden, they're not able to do that. And so someone goes and they do that in the name of the church. You could visit someone in the name of the church. And so you are expressing that service towards one individual, but there's also a wider dimension in and through the life of the church that by being involved, that by being a servant 
in the organizations of this congregation, in the ministries of this congregation, that you are enabling these ministries to happen and that you are serving and enabling these things and that you are serving one another in that way. And maybe the last little pointer on this section is that as we serve one another, I want to remind you that you are actually serving God. So as you serve God, serve one another here in this place. You are serving God. That's the focus. So anything that you're involved in here, you could be in the playing music. You could be even in the a larger choir will come out in a couple of weeks. There's people uh, standing in individuals. There's people in Sunday school. There's people in youth clubs. There's uh, people in lots of activities. There's people who serve in committees. There's people who, who enable lots of different things. But all these things ultimately bring glory to God. And in that sense, actually, there is a sense of evangelism. There's a sense of doing these things to enable other people to understand what God has been doing in your life and in the life of the church. Because when people see you serving, even if it's outside or it's inside this place, they know that you think that God is significant enough, that God is worth serving, and that God is worth laying down your life for so that you do not spend all your time on yourself but for others, and that it says something about what you actually think about God. So it glorifies God before other people inside and outside of the church. And as we maybe begin to bring this down another notch and to make it even more practical about how we might actually serve one another, there's a number of questions I'm going to pose just now. Maybe more relevant to you or to other people at this point, but just as we consider these things, take time to think it through yourself. But the first question I'm going to ask is this. Is your church stronger because of you? Something that I'm never, ever, ever going to talk about is celery. I hate celery. But did you know that celery is, kind of get the word here, Calorie deficient is probably what I'm thinking about. In other words, it takes more energy out of your body to chew celery than what celery actually gives to your body. So you're using up more energy munching on celery than what celery actually gives into your body. Now take a big steak or something like that, or a chocolate cake. There's obviously more calories in that thing than what it takes to eat. And so you end up like me. And so there's a de there's, you get an excess of calories put into your body. And that's the way most things actually work, so that you are a net giver. Now, we can think about that in terms of our service as well in church and how we serve one another, because God's expectation is that we serve one another. And so the expectation is that you should be a net giver into the lives of other people. Now, it's not always a situation. There will be moments for all of us, no matter, even the most spiritually mature person, there will be times when you will be a net receiver. There will be times when you will need the encouragement and the service of others. 
and you should be willing to receive that at that point. But the expectation in the scriptures is that you should be able to give and to serve one another, serve in the name of God, in the name of Jesus, into other people's lives. I'm sure you will know individuals who people, even for whom it is very difficult, can still actually serve and give to other people. People who maybe even are housebound. I've encountered people in nursing homes and they're still able to exercise a degree of ministry because even though they're not physically able, but what they can still do is pray. And even when people come to visit them, you may find that that person is able to encourage you as much as you thought you might encourage them because that's the nature of the individual and they know that they want to serve Jesus and they want to serve his church and they will do what they can. So the question is, is this place stronger because of you? Another question I'm going to pose is do you actually serve with a servant's heart? Because some people, the reason that they are unwilling to serve is that they just don't have a servant's heart in the first place. They might do something on the outside, but they're in many ways actually unwilling. And if you are unwilling, if you haven't got the right heart, it's very obvious that very quickly you're going to give up doing that in the first place. And it's not until you realize that if you are a servant of the servant, so if you're a Christian and you're following Jesus who has described himself as the servant, the one who serves, then that's the reason that you want to serve other people. And if you haven't grasped that, that the expectation is, is that if you are a servant of Jesus, then you will serve others. But if you haven't grasped that, you will never be able to keep on serving wherever that is. And I'm going to let you into a little bit of a secret. But if you have been involved in any aspect of church ministry for any number of years, you will already know this only too well. Every aspect of church ministry at some point becomes mundane. At some point, you will feel there is no blessing in this and you will wonder to yourself, why am I doing this? Every ministry at some point will be underappreciated. Every ministry will also experience criticism from others at some point. And unless in those moments when you feel the sting of that, unless you realize that the reason you're doing this in the first place, serving one another through the church in the name of Jesus, unless you realize that that is your reason that you have been called to this, you will give up. And I too, there are many moments I say, I just want to give this up. And I will, and I would give up if I don't fall back to that central conviction that Jesus has called me to this. God has called me to this. So despite the discouragement that anyone might feel, that you might feel, that I might feel, we simply have to realize that there is no happiness in not serving Jesus. And rem reminding myself that I am a servant of the servant, that's why I do what I do.
So do you serve with a servant's heart? And the last question in this little section is do you serve consistently or conveniently? And you know exactly what I mean by that. Because we, church, the church needs people who make commitments. I suppose the classic example of that, don't want to focus too narrowly on it, but it's probably a Sunday school leader, Bible class leader, week in, week out, you prepare, you spend that time doing that, and then you actually go to the thing and then you deliver it. But it's week on, it's week on week, and it's probably year on year. And of course, there are lots of other ministries in the church that are exactly the same as that. And no people will, no church will be effective without people who commit themselves to that. But by and large, there's a tendency, I think, nowadays, simply to say, if you really, really need me, I'll come. Or I'll be there at some point. And something that I'm going to stress now is something that I know I used to stress a long time ago. I haven't spoken so much about this in, in recent times, but I want to say something about the power of simply being present amongst the church. Because you don't know what is happening in somebody else's life. And you have no idea until you're actually present how much it means to be with people in those moments. And you had no idea ahead of time that you could be the means of encouragement. And yet you might say to yourself so often, I don't need to be there. It's not convenient for me. I've got all I need. I maybe even got all the friends that I need and I'm not really thinking about other people. Maybe people who may be coming along and they're relatively new and they don't know very much, but you're content with who you are and what you have and what you need and so you feel you don't need to be there. But yet the power of presence, just simply being there and waiting for those openings that God presents and that just being there is the encouragement that someone needs. Now let me finish in this way. I'm going to read now from James chapter 4, verse 17. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, for them it's a sin. That's hard-hitting words. Sounds a bit like Jesus, I think, in many ways too. Now, this I haven't checked, but I have a sneaking suspicion there's truth to this. That when I read the parables of Jesus, the parables of Jesus more often focus in not on what people purposefully do, but rather what they leave undone. So it's not purposefully being bad, but rather it's simply what they forget to do or don't want to do. So remember the story that Jesus talks about or the parable of the, the men with the talents, the money bags. The man who only got one, he wasn't condemned because he did something really bad with his bag of money. He didn't do anything evil with it, but what he did was that he just overlooked what he should have been doing. Or again, being more specific, we can think about Jesus' parable of the Good Samaritan. 
the man who was robbed and who was left to die in the middle of the street or middle of the road, and then the two guys who first of all came along, they were criticized by Jesus in that story, not because of what they did. I mean, they didn't abuse the man, they didn't attack the man, but rather it was simply that they didn't do anything for the man. They saw a need, and yet because of their own preoccupations, because of their own obsessions, they just walked on by. Or there's the parable that Jesus also told of the rich man and Lazarus. You remember that in that case, the, the rich man died. He went to hell. He was tormented in hell. But the torment for him wasn't about what he had done bad, but rather, again, it was what he didn't do. It was how he overlooked the poor man at his front door, and he walked by him every day. So again, it's about what people don't do that Jesus actually points out more often than what they purposefully do that's wrong. So in this passage, or in these passages that we have been thinking about today, I think there's a call to serve, to reflect upon what we do and what we do in the name of Jesus for Jesus here in this place. And it may be that there's something in that that maybe has been hitting something in your own heart, touching you. There, there is a pastoral dimension in all of this that we really do want to reach out and to serve others here in this place, to build up one another here in this place, not necessarily for our own good, but for the glory and the good of God, the honor of God here in this place. Maybe something that God is speaking to you very specifically about, something that you might want just to reflect upon already said in some of the announcements at the beginning that there will be prayer ministry at the end. It could be completely unrelated to anything that I've been saying today, but you just might want the encouragement to know that someone is praying or will pray for you today. And we encourage you uh, at, at the end of, of our service just to make your way over here and someone will gladly uh, pray with you. Let's join together as we come in our last our final song at this point. And I've chosen this song because it's, it's one thing to see the kingdom of God here and what it means to be, to embody the kingdom of God here in this place as we think of one another, as we see where we are and what we're doing in Jesus' name that God himself might build his church among us. Come set your rule and reign in our hearts again.